Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. This is the first episode of the podcast after the Magic World Championship 26. So I thought it might be fun to talk about the top two decks that made it to the very end of the competition, a competition that was worth more money than any other competition in the world of Magic ever. Before that, however, let's just mention all the top 16 players that made it. Alphabetically, we have Javier Dominguez, Autumn Burchett, Eli Loveman, Matthias Leverato, Thoralf Severin, Jean-Emmanuel Depra, Andrzej Straski, Piotr Glogowski, Marcio Cavallo, Paolo Vitor Damodarosa, Seth Manfield, Andrea Mangucci, Chris Kavartek, Sebastian Pozzo, Rafael Levy, and Gabriel Nassif. Congrats to all the players that made it up to that level in the world of Magic the Gathering. That is not an easy feat to get to this level. There was extremely high levels of magic being played all weekend long in Hawaii 2020. It was very epic. If you didn't watch the coverage, you should have. Wizards of the Coast did a very good job with the reporting team, the play-by-play, the coverage desk, the color commentators. Props to them. Day 9, Maria Bartholdi alias V, etc., etc., and all the people behind the camera that really made the event great. This episode of the podcast is going to focus on the top two players that battled it out at the very end. If you look at the top eight bracket, it was quite a battle. Paolo managed to basically win all of his matches in the top eight, so he stayed in the upper division. Marcio Carvalho uh, did pretty well until he until he battled Paolo, which then dropped him to the lower brackets. Carvalho then battled Seth Manfield, beating him, coming back to the upper bracket to then face off again with Paolo. Then an epic battle ensued where both players played their absolute best Paolo just had to win two matches, while Marcio had to win many more. And in the end, it was Paolo Vitor, Damo de Rosa, that pulled it off. But let's talk about each of their decks. Let's start with Marcio's deck. He was going with a Jeskai Fires deck. So that means we're dealing with red, white, and blue. There's several cards in here that I like. He's got 19 creatures in here. Cavalier of Flame, Sphinx of Foresight, Cavalier of Gales, Kenrith the Returned King, Bonecrusher Giant, and Dream Trawler. So 19 cards were creature-focused. What was interesting is that Paolo's two creatures were Dream Trawler and Archon of Sun's Grace. So those two creatures were enough to hold off Marcio's 19 cards of creatures. That definitely shows that an Azorius control deck can really hold its own until the right time. Marcio had Teferi Time Raveler, four copies of that Planeswalker. He was able to use Teferi expertly in his matches. 
Sorceries he had deafening Clarion and Shimmer of Possibility, letting him wipe the board of little creatures, letting him look throughout his deck to get the right stuff. In the instant front, he had Aether Gust to, to toss back red or green problems, two of those in the deck. A mixture of 27 lands, there were very, very few basic lands. This is one of the things that I really see with the pros, that there's like very few basic lands. They really rely on a lot of uh, utility lands and, and just powered up lands. So just one plains, two islands, two mountains. But then four hollowed fountains, two castle Vantress, three temple of epiphany, four steam vents, three sacred foundry, three temple of triumph, and three fabled passage the latest fetch land that is really shaping up the meta and getting up there in value. All of that is to get to Fires of Invention, the forecasting cost red enchantment that lets you cast anything you want without tapping your mana, but you're limited to two spells that turn. Some people would see that as a big drawback, but a pro like Marcio sees it as the nail in the coffin of his opponent. It's a pretty impressive deck. I like, I like a lot of things in it. I'm not a fan of Teferi. I've been on the receiving end of, of the beatdown from that time mage, so I don't like the card personally, but I love that it's a powerful card in this deck. I like the Dream Trawler creature a lot better. It's a 6 casting cost 3-5 with Flying and Lifelink. When you draw a card, it gets plus 1, plus 0. When it attacks, you draw the card. So you're really swinging in with a 5-5 five, five lifelink flyer when you've got this dream trawler. It's really hard to get rid of because then activated ability, discard a card, dream trawler gains hexproof, and you tap it. So if you're about to get targeted removal onto your creature, nope, just discard a card and you'll have plenty of them. And your dream trawler is safe. Only board wipes can deal with this card. Shatter the sky, anyone? The art is also pretty epic. A sphinx lazily flying through the sky, very gracefully. Great art on that one. Three colors is always hard to pull off, but with the right mana base and the right cards, I think it's doable. And it shows that Marcio knew how to pilot this deck very well against Mono Red Aggro, Teamer Reclamation, and other Jeskai Fires decks. So props to Marcio. He came very close to the top prize, but hey, he won over $100,000. So even second place isn't so bad. And the pressure that he was going through must have been tremendous. Just playing non-stop magic game after non-stop magic game, that takes a toll on any professional. I challenge you, humble listener, to do what he did. Even if you felt he had his final questionable opening hand, there was just so much pressure going on for him. Non-stop magic, three days in a row, and then this, these final hours where he had to battle the gauntlet to get to, to get to Paolo. Complete props to Marcio. The winner of it all then, Paolo Vitor da Modarosa. Let's talk about his deck. He's going with Azorius Control. So less colors to worry about, just blue and white. So his mana base is three plains, seven islands, one field of ruin, four temple of enlightenment, four hollowed fountain, one castle Ventress, three castle Ardenvale, and two fabled passage. So even though his deck only has two creature cards, he can still make a lot of creatures from his castle Ardenvale. And his birth of Miletus enchantment also makes him a zero-four wall. 
So it's not completely bereft of creatures, but it's just fascinating that you can win a game where the object of the of of the game is to get your opponent down to zero, and you're doing this with two cards. Well, those two creature cards are utterly amazing, or they should be. They are. One Dream Trawler. Once again, this is a 5-5 five, five lifelink when it attacks, basically. At the minimum, it's a 3-5 flying lifelink, and it's got hexproof if you pitch a card. And you've got the Archon of Sun's Grace. This is where you're get, you're creating your creatures because you don't have creature cards, but you can make creatures. The Archon is a forecasting cost Archon, which to me, what is that, a Pegasus or something? It's a 3-4 flying lifelink. Okay, so you're going to get a lot of life. You're going to keep defending yourself that way. Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink. So if you have any Pegasi, they have lifelink. And guess what? You get to make a 2-2 white Pegasus creature token with flying every time you play an enchantment. So the Archon has Constellation. And guess what? This deck has a lot of enchantments to be making those those Pegasi. Pegasus? Pe Pegasuses? Whatever the plural is. And I saw during the gameplay that he was able to make a lot of Pegasi to really gum up the board and just overwhelm the opponent. We've got enchantments such as Elspeth Conquers Death, lets you exile your opponent's threat that is a CMC3 or greater. It makes your opponent's Spells cost more on Chapter 2, and then you return something from your graveyard, either a Planeswalker or a creature, and it gets a plus one, plus one, or one more loyalty counter. That is a brand new epic rare card that is really making this deck powerful. A plain old common, Omen of the Sea, also makes this deck great. And people sometimes think you need to have a deck just full of rares and mythic rares, but this top-level deck makes great use of a common two mana enchantment with flash when it enters you scry two and draw one so it's the next level of opt just one more mana plus it triggers constellation plus when you need to later you can crack it for three mana and scry two i saw some expert gameplay with everyone using this from azorius to jeskai to teamer in Azorius, you have Banishing Light, and Paolo's deck had to two. Basically, banish any non-land permanent. That worked wonders. Birth of Miletus lets you go tutor or search for a plane so that you're ready to rock. Makes you a wall and gains you life. This is Uncommon to Mana Saga, one of the newest cards. A card from Throne of Eldraine, Mystical Dispute is in there too, a 3-mana counterspell, or it costs less, 2 less, if the if you're targeting an opponent's blue card. Good ol' Absorb from way back in 2019, Ravnica Allegiance, Absorb. 3-mana counterspell, you gain 3 life. From War of the Spark, Dovin's Veto, another counterspell, a counterspell that cannot be countered for 2-mana. Thirst for Meaning, 3-mana, draw 3 cards... Then discard two if you don't discard an enchantment. And there's plenty of enchantments to work with. If your opponent's board state is getting pretty powerful, shatter the sky for four mana. Destroy all creatures. If you control a creature with power four or greater, they draw a card. That was a great board wipe that Paolo really used throughout most of his opponents, especially those pesky mono-red aggros. Then you've got lots of planeswalkers. Two copies of Narset, part of her veils, to dig through your library, getting those non-creature non-lands and four teferi's time raveler little teferi has really found a place in decks after big teferi left i really like the archon of sun's grace 
I like that it makes more creatures. It's fascinating that only one copy is in the deck because you're going to control the opponent. Azorius does that pretty well. You're going to control the opponent until you have a critical mass of enchantments, and then you start just popping off. Archon plus enchantment plus enchantment. Filter your draws. Cast your planeswalkers. Really control the board, and suddenly you've got a lot of 2-2 flying ponies. And your opponent will quickly learn that friendship is not magic. If you saw the gameplay, you know that Paolo did expertly. He was basically undefeated in the top eight. Congrats to him. Congrats to his gameplay. He had a very worthy opponent in Marcio Carvalho. He was able to hold him off several times. It looked like Paolo had it right away after a very fast first game. Marcio held on, kept coming back over and over. Like Jason from Friday the 13th, he just could not be stopped. Until finally, the RNG of it all might have had a hand. Paolo pulled away much too far. Marcio was never able to catch up, and it was GG. Paolo went on to the winner's circle, back to Brazil, a world champion, and a name on everyone's tip of their tongue. So what about you? What do you think about the top two decks that made it to the end of the tournament? Which would you play? What cards did you like in it? How would you have played? The great thing is that we could all have access to these decks in Magic Arena. Just crack the right wild cards and you've got a top tier deck. Maybe you don't like the Azorius Control. Maybe you want to go over to Teamer Reclamation. It's wide open. In a direct challenge, you can recreate the final match with a friend and see who would have won. It was really cool that Magic Arena had the avatars of the various players. I've, uh, I tried out the Autumn Burchette deck, and I like it. It's, it's a complex deck. A lot's going on. You've got to be on top of your game. I thought it was challenging to play. So I'm building a version of it in, in my own account now that the competition is over, and I'll give it a shot. I'm trying to climb the ladder, and I'm having great success with various versions of Mono Black Devotion. Congratulations again to all the competitors that made it to World Championship 26. And extra congrats to Paolo Vitor Damado Rosa. You earned that amazing trophy. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.